As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to another edition of Tag the Roll, where we talk about the NBA draft, draft prospects, and scouting in general. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Schindler. I'm really excited to be joined, as always, by my good friend, Jake Rosen. Jake, how are you doing today, man? Doing great. Uh, first full week of college basketball is underdeveloped. Uh, a lot of basketball is consumed. Have some takeaways. We don't want to get too deep in one way or the other, but um, I know a lot of us have been watching or me and you have been watching a lot of basketball and a lot of other people on the timeline as well. So it's just good to have the discourse back. Definitely. It's awesome to see how many clips are flying around. Uh, it's kind of yeah. like, you know, every time you see something I'm like, ah, oh, well now I don't want to go watch it that. And I, I want to finish <laughs> watching this game. You just saw, 
Yeah, I've consumed a lot, but not as much as I wanted to, which I feel like I'm going to say that the entire draft cycle. But um, no, man, a really great first week. Um, And I know we have some exciting stuff planned coming up, Um, but I'm really psyched to dive in today. We have a a lot of guys that we want to hit on, um, both with Ignite and um, quite a few uh, guys who have stood out throughout. I I mean, let's get started with G League Ignite because we're now three games into the G League season. I think they had two preseason games um on top of it so five game sample size uh i guess we can start this one with uh all right well let's just do overall takes over overall thoughts what are your overall thoughts so far with uh how ignite has looked maybe compared to last year um and just in general so i think it's definitely worth noting that we are recording this um i think scoot henderson is playing tonight for the first time i don't know if that game has started or is going to start um so we'll definitely get around to that because very very interested to see him but uh, i was not planning on watching them until he got back just from a watchability standpoint to kind of save my mental well-being but you wanted (laughs) to talk about them on the pod so uh, i gave it a go and they're definitely less fun and cohesive than last year i'll say um I, i thought One, the vets and the rookies played off of each other really well last year with guys like Cherichak kind of operating on the ball. It allowed Green and Kaminga to pick their spots when they'd attack. But also, just the pure, just from the pure prospect standpoint, they don't have someone of Jalen Green's caliber. Um, Obviously, I'm not sure if they have someone of Kaminga's caliber either. I know people had a wide range of takes on him last year, but we can all agree that Green was a top three prospect in last year's draft um, no matter where you had him and ignite just doesn't have that this year uh, scoot henderson might be that in the 2023 class but one he hasn't played yet and two it's not his draft year so it was really interesting to see the creation reps kind of uh i'm looking for can't find the word i'm looking for but distributed that's what i was looking yeah for. Um, um in the creation reps distributed between hardy daniels marjan and mike foster um all guys that kind of want the ball, except I think Dyson is a little bit more scalable than the others, but um, we can start going into the players, but I just think this year's team makes less sense than last year's team. And I mean, you can see it from just a pure watchability standpoint and an offensive cohesion standpoint. Yeah. I mean, just to hit on what you mentioned, uh, they like, I mean, I remember watching the first scrimmage. I was like, Oh my God, the vets just like, they're not to be unfair, but like you see how much they miss that. Like, uh, I mean, Amir Johnson's still there and he's fine, but he's also like, he could be my dad. Uh, I, I think they really miss having somebody like Jerry Jack. And I, like you mentioned, I think hopefully Scoot will fix some of that. Um, but I'm just interested to see how that plays out considering he's not a veteran. I mean, um, like ideally, I think I look at Marjan and, and Dyson and those are both guys who are probably more secondary creators than doing anything as primary. So having somebody who's getting into the paint more, cause there just is not a lot of, a lot of paint touches. It's a lot of like, okay, shoot from 20 feet, two seconds into the shot clock. And that's not meant to be an indictment of the players. It's just based on roster construction, that's how it's playing out right now. So. Yeah. And I think the one point that it was one of my major takeaways is that they, they look young. Um, Not that last year's team didn't at times, but this year's group looks especially young. And even the game I watched, they're playing against Keon Johnson and Brandon Boston, who are one year removed from college and, probably the similar similar age to margin on um, I'm not sure his exact birthday but I know he did spend a year at Juco so but I think that goes in hand with the shot selection I have in my notes no self-created room attempts uh, it's either deep pull-ups or floaters and I think that's an indictment on them being young struggling physicality maybe not being as skilled as the other guys were you know green struggled as an a 
from a strength perspective last year, but he was just that much quicker and had that much more body control and was that much better than the players around him. So it didn't matter. And I don't think the skill level is necessarily there for the prospects. We're going to talk about it at least. And I think that rears its head in areas like shot selection, um, rim attempts, shooting percentages, as you're going to get into and just things of that nature. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Serge Ibaka played 25 minutes in this game. I was asking <laughs> okay. a lot out of Michael Foster, man. Like, as soon as I saw the lineup, I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is uh, it's a, it's a nice test, at least. Um, let's start with Jaden Hardy, because I think, in, uh, I mean, just based on coming into the year, looking at mock drafts, he's probably the highest rated among everyone on, uh, on Ignite. Um, he's had a rough go of it to start the year, I think is a, a fair way to put it. Uh, shooting below 30% from the floor. Um, what's from three? Yeah, well, he's actually shooting better from three. 30% from three, 28% from the floor. Um, granted, it is small sample size, three games, but uh, it is, it's been a little bit rough for him. Uh, he's shown some good stuff for me. Like, okay, like we know uh, him getting to his pull-up out of pick and roll. I think he had a couple of good moments in that. But like you mentioned, he's just really not getting to the rim at all. Um, anything that is at the rim is a floater. Um, I do think part of that is tough because they just don't really have a real big on the roster. Like, um, I mean, I guess Jeff, Jesse Govan is, but he's not, you know, comparing it both ways. Like Michael Foster, at least his, his screening is a lot better than it was early on in the year. Um, but especially for seeing somebody like uh, Jaden, it's been it has been very tough for him so far. Yeah, um, the Hardy stuff I've seen is pretty rough, and he's un- pretty underwhelming as an athlete compared to at least what I remembered from him in his early high school years. Uh, he's just not really having – he doesn't have any burst off the bounce. The handle is meh, um, and that's just resulting in him just not being able to get into the paint, and when he does get into the paint, not getting all the way to the rim. And on the off chance that he does get to the rim – he's a below the rim guy and he tried to go with a little inside hand finish. That's been one of the things that I've seen overused in the cycle so far, these scoop inside hand finishes that just get pinned away by rotating uh, shot blockers. Caleb Houston and yesterday. Yeah. Yes. Caleb Houston pinned <laughs> Jaden Hardy pinned. Um, and it's, it's like, Hey guys, you're supposed to use that when the defenders on your hip and you're like tucking it away from him. You're not used. To, you're not supposed to use it to like show the ball to the rotating shot lock over from the weak side, but side tangent, um, Hardy's just having a tough time getting to the right spots. And I think on the broadcast, you'll hear about them that the coaches are harping on him with shot selection. This is a little bit of the Ty Ty Washington thing that we talked about and how I kind of view them in the similar role of these are off ball combo guards. who are going to use their shooting gravity and ability to come off pin downs and get to movement, like get to movement shooting spots and then play out of that. And Hardy's looked fine when he plays out of that, but he is their lead guard right now with scoot out. And uh, he just, the passing it's mediocre um, for someone who has the ball as much as him. And the defense is nothing special. If It's average um, at best to me. So it's just other than the pull-up shooting and considering the pull-up shooting hasn't really been there from a percentage perspective yet, where is he going to provide value? Um, is it on the ball? If it's on the ball, you need to get to the rim more. You're going to need to get to the foul line more. If it's off the ball, let's see some more movement shooting. Be active. Be engaged. And I just – it's kind of, I kind of want to see him pick one route or the other and, and run with it rather than kind of tiptoeing between both of them and not really making his money in either aspect. Yeah, um, I would agree with that. And I think he's, I mean, I, we just said about the other guys, but to me, he feels a lot like a, another guy I want to see play off of Scoot. What does that look like? Because I think ideally, like we've mentioned, 
he seems much more suited to be a secondary creator. Uh, I have, have at least liked how much he is shooting from three. I mean, he's taking seven a game right now. Keep that up, please. I want to see more of it. Like I expect his shot to, to, to positively, you know, regress to the mean um, just because we know he's a better shooter than that. But um, you know, mixing in more rim attempts and just mixing in more stuff in general is going to be important. Working in more motion. Like I was hoping to see a lot more off ball movement from him. And that really hasn't been the case. I think part of that is, again, it's tough because of all the guys that you're putting together in this situation. Um, I, I don't really have anything else I want to add on Hardy. I think that's a pretty good um, assessment so far. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Marjan because Marjan has been really interesting. Um I think he's the guy who I've felt most positive of uh, coming out of watching two Ignite games so far. Um, but I also just don't really know what to make of him. I, I don't know where you're at with him, but he just like he does things. I think and we were mentioning this before we got on. I think he feels like the cleanest athlete out of um, the four Ignite guys right now. Like he looks like he most belongs on the court. Um, you know, he's he's flashed really good finishing. He had this beautiful finish against the uh, Agua Caliente. I think yesterday, no, not yesterday, this was last week. Um, but it was like a really solid verticality, just like kind of a nice little finger roll laying. Like he's showing really good stuff around the rim. Uh, he's taking threes. They haven't necessarily been going in at a high clip, but I like what the shot looks like. Um, Physicality has been good. And even that, the, I mean, I, not to steal your thunder, but the defense has really stood out for me as well too. Um, but again, I just, I don't really quite know what to make of him. Yeah, no, I'm definitely in your camp as well. Uh, of the guys we're going to talk about, I've had the least amount of priors with Marjan, but he just has done a lot of good things in a, in a bunch of different areas. As we, we talked about off air, the point of attack defense, he's aggressive, but he's not over aggressive. He's going to get into your stuff. I think he actually forced like a backcourt violation in one of the games, just little things like that. Um, but he looks comfortable. And that's that, what to your cliche is that he looks like he belongs. And I know exactly what finish you're talking about because I have it in my notes. And he ripped off the he ripped off the closeout, got to the lane, saw someone sliding over for a charge, and like the 18-year-old play to make is to just go straight up. And that's where you pick up your charge. You're getting all the way downhill, you have a clear lane, and you just want to go straight up. He instead gathers himself, come decels, gets off two feet, avoids him, and finishes with the offhand. Like that's polish. And I think that's kind of what we're both trying to get at is that although he did play a year of JUCO, like that's a big jump in competition. So to see him look as comfortable as he looks is definitely enticing to me. Again, I don't know what to make of him. He's in a really, really weird role. I like, I think he's more of an off ball guy, but he does have some on ball juice. I, I just do think when Scoot comes back, everyone's roles are going to get a little bit more clear because they all know that there's this stud point guard, like waiting the wings, who's going to end up taking the reins of the offense. Um, but I do think Marjan is going to have the least amount of like adjustment period because I, he, I do think he's pretty fluid, just flowing and doing whatever they asked of him. So he's definitely someone I'm very excited to see more of. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think like just on the defense too, he does some good stuff off ball as well. Like I think uh, it was the game where they got absolutely cooked by Leandro Balmaro. Um, he was like trying to call out assignments for everyone else and be in the right place. That game was an absolute mess, um, but you just see it with him. Uh, let's transition to Dyson. Um, Dyson Daniels has been, he's also been solid. He's shot the best out of anybody in terms of where he's taking, you know, in terms of threes, I think he's shooting at yeah, 36% right now, four per game is really not getting to the line though, um, which I think, you know, we'll talk about that, but uh, 
I mean, do you feel – I think last time we talked about him was like a week ago off air. Do you feel about the same about his handle after watching games the last day or two? Yeah, I mean, I really don't think he can dribble like that. Um, and I think it's interesting how much he's being tasked with creation. Um, I don't know what that says about their confidence or lack thereof in Hardy and, and Marjan. Um, I think it's really interesting that his creation reps, I, he was definitely on the ball a lot more than I expected. Um, I do want to give a quick shout out to Draft Pal. That was a great piece on Dyson that was written on the Stepien couple, probably a week ago at this point, extremely detailed, um, talks about his entire developmental curve from way back. I went all the way back to like basketball without borders, if I'm not mixing that up, but go check that out, a quick Stepien plug. But Dyson, I, I, I'm worried, and that's what I said to you, like I'm worried he just might be a little too regular. Uh, everyone says when you're evaluating what's your NBA skill. And I think that does get a little bit overused because just because you're an NBA shooter doesn't mean you're an NBA player or just because you're an NBA ball handler passer doesn't mean you're an NBA player. I kind of struggle to see Dyson's clear-cut NBA skill. And I worry that he might just end up being kind of there, which at some point in the draft, if you're going to get a rotation piece, that might be cool. But if we're talking about a guy who's had some fringe lotto hype, I kind of need to see more. Um, the handling isn't really there. The decision-making is solid. He's had a, he had a couple of good drop-offs in the game I watched. His decision-making is sound. Like He threw a, a corner skip pass, but it was with no velocity and a little bit of delayed read. But like So his thought process is there, but I'm not sure. I think the idea of Dyson might be much more enticing than the actuality of him. The shot, I'm not quite there yet. The mechanics are slow, and he had two really poor misses, uh, basically one an air ball and one basically an air ball in the game I watched. So I'm just kind of struggling to see where he impacts the game at a real plus level. Um, If the decision-making and passing are good but not great, the handle, we both agree, is not there. The shooting is far away. He's not getting to the free throw line because he's not getting to the rim. Anytime he gets in the paint, he's settling for a floater. And the defense is good, but I'm not so sure the defense is good enough or elite enough to offset everything we've just talked about. If, as you mentioned off air, he looks pretty small and is trending more towards being a smaller wing or an off guard rather than this like big stocky three man. Yeah, um, and it's tough, too, because, like, I mean, I would say – I would hedge a little bit and say, like, I could see him in an NBA role. Like, he makes sense in – but, like, more like you mentioned, like, okay, um, it's not a perfect comp, but he kind of reminds me of Justin Holiday a little bit. Like, I don't love pulling out comps, but, like, okay, he's – Justin Holiday is not somebody who can create his own shot because he can't dribble well enough, and that's where I'm at with Dyson right now. Like, he's capable of making okay reads, um, but he's going to have to really shoot it. I feel like if, if he's going to find a way to stick um, in a more meaningful way, like, and like you mentioned too, I, uh, he had a miss too, the where like it almost like stopped on the rim because it was like coming that far down like a howitzer. Um, and it just makes you question the mechanics a little bit. Like, what does this mean? Why? I don't know quite what to take from it. Um, I still feel like okay about him, but I'm definitely interested to see how he um, continues to develop throughout the G league season, because it's uh it's just been a little bit like, like, like you mentioned, like I remember seeing like, you know, people putting him like top 10 and I'm like, okay, I'm interested to see him play in the G league. And it just hasn't quite been there. Where are you with the shooting? Uh, Well, I will, I, I promise to not make this a regular thing on the pod, but I will say I'm not a shot doctor, <laughs> Um, but it does stand out to me that his shot just doesn't always look the same. Um, that's so that's problematic. Um, Like, I, I will at least want to see you take it the same way every time because there's got to be consistency with it. Um, 
And I, it feels like that's what contributes to some of the really awkward misses. Because sometimes it feels like he takes it to the side of his face. Sometimes it's in front. Um, the release is just kind of awkward right now. Um, so I, I don't know. It doesn't feel like replicable in a, in a way that's going to be good for him. Yeah, and that's probably my biggest concern with it. And that's what I talked about with PD. Um, he was one of the guys I brought to the table in the FIBA stream because uh, he does intriguing things. I don't want to like brush this guy off as he's a non-guy. He's a guy. I'm just looking for more. And yeah. I don't really know how it all comes together and actualizes into a plus player based on what I've seen so far. But I'm open to it. Um, but a big part of it, as you mentioned, is he's going to have to shoot. And what does him shooting actually look like? It starts with shooting the ball the same way every single time. And this isn't some instance where sometimes uh, the, the right pinky will flick out to the side and other times it'll fall straight through. It's like, oh no, like his dip point is different. His release point is different. His release speed is different. It's kind of all over the place. And so I'm just not, I'm a little hesitant to put stock into him improving as a shooter, despite whatever indicators that might be there. I'm not even sure which ones there are right now, but you got to start by shooting the same way. And I love that you pointed that out because that's right where I was going. Yeah. Um, so definitely something to keep track of because I don't know we, like some guys will just go through random spurs where they shoot poorly, but also, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot to take from this, uh, but still want to, want to be patient with it. Um, I guess that's a good – we can talk about Michael Foster Jr. right now. Um, I will say, just coming right out, I am the lowest on him uh, out of the, out of the group of four, and I do think that's fair, um, to be honest. Like, I just don't know if I quite um, see it with him entirely. Uh, but he has looked a lot better than he did early on. Like, um, you know, I turned on the Agua Caliente game today and I was uh, like, just like, oh man, like as soon as I saw him lined up next to Serge Ibaka, I was like, oh dear God, like this is, this is going to be like bad. And honestly, he held his own to a degree. Like uh, his pick and roll defense still isn't amazing, but it looks a lot better. He looks like he's starting to figure out some of the more big man things again. Um, but also he's six foot eight. Like I don't really see him being able to be a full-time big he definitely envisions himself as a face-up four. Uh, and there's some stuff there with the footwork uh, that's enticing to me. Like, I, I enjoy face-up guys, but also you have to be really damn good for mid-range. And just in general, if you're going to be facing up that often and taking stuff from 16 feet. Um, and I, I don't know. Like, I think you can look at the, the, the block numbers and be like, oh, the rim protection is good. I think on occasion it can be, uh, but also he's got a – he has to load up quite a bit to really uh, impact stuff at the rim. And I don't really see it with a second jump. And especially again, like for a smaller guy, like we've seen with Onyeka Kangu, Onyeka Kangu is literally a spring. Like he does not have any, any real, uh, you know, timing between his second jump. It's just kind of ridiculous, but um, that was a really long way of saying, I'm just not quite sure uh, what to take away from Mike Foster Jr. in terms of NBA potential. I'm sure you have something more insightful to say on that, but I, I've been very jumbled on on how I feel about him. I mean, I'll just start with a question that's like semi-rhetorical. What, what does the role look like on both ends? Oh, um, that's a great question, man. <laughs> I, I don't, and I don't like, really have one for you. And where I'm kind of going with that is his best skill right now is undoubtedly this interesting array of shot making which i will give him is impressive at times and he certainly had games in high school where he would just go on absolute barrages but we've talked about this you need to earn your reps on the ball and he is not someone i'm entrusting with my reps his decision making is extremely poor 
Um, he found out there was one possession in the game where like he was absolutely getting hacked and he was just pivoting and pivoting and pivoting and like trying to find ways to shoot. I'm like, oh my God, he's just like trying to find an angle to shoot this ball. And they ended up calling like a foul on the ground because he was just getting absolutely hacked. But there was no doubt in my mind that if that foul is going to call, something's going up. And, and like, he just has those vibes to him. Um, there's not much flow within the offense at all. Once he does touch it, it's ball stopped for multiple seconds. Uh, tunnel vision is there. Just, it's, I don't really trust it. I don't trust it on offense. And that's not even the start of the issues. Like my ish, bigger issues are on defense where I don't trust him on the perimeter at all. He has heavy feet. He bites on a ton of pump fakes. He's not disciplined. Um, I think you're being pretty generous when he said his pick and roll defense. Well, that's more just saying, okay, the reason Leandro Balmaro scored 20 points in the first quarter of that game well i know it might not have been a first quarter but they went up 20 to nothing in the first quarter before ignite scored a lot of that was because they just picked on michael foster jr the entire he's he's food it's really rough he's food um like it, i will like, say it is better now it, but compared to where it was yeah it's still not great and, and like if the defense like offense aside if the defense is going to be what the defense is which is low attempt like low attention span slow reactivity i mean the clip i posted BJ Boston's already downhill past him before he even opens up his hips to go and slide. He's only six, eight. He's undersized. I don't trust him against on the perimeter against fours and big wings because of the slow feet and the jumpy tendencies. And as you mentioned, the rim protection, sure. You could get talked into some block numbers, but it's not there from a consistency Mm -hmm. standpoint where he's rotating and, and always there and always getting vertical. Like there are ways to measure rim protection without looking at block percentage. It's just consistency. And when you're there, are you vertical? Are you fouling? And I just don't really trust him as a five, like as a small ball five, despite the frame. But yeah, and like if the defense is going to be that bad as I just described it, the offense better be damn amazing. And like while the shot making is cool, I don't really trust him to play within the flow of an offense and get his and be scalable and be able to play with other ball dominant players. Like I kind of just feel like whenever he touches it, like something's going up. It's never like, Hey, I'm going to get it, get off it screen roll. Like maybe I'll get it back and then go from there. It's like, and I, I, that's what I was kind of getting at. Like, I kind of feel like that's what it is with most of these guys for the time being. Um, but it, it especially pops with him there. Yeah, no, I mean, I think the best summation of it is uh, he ripped a rebound on the defensive end uh, the entire offense was set by the time he got down. And it's not even that he came from slow, but it was set by the time he got down. Everyone's on the perimeter because they're mostly playing five out. Uh, he takes two steps in the line and jacks a shot with 21 seconds on the shot clock. And I was like, bro, what are we doing here? Like, I, yeah, stuff yeah, like that. Like, that that's the kind of thing where like, um, okay, go set a DHO, run a DHO, do something like that. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, it, again, it's tough. I don't want to be like the way too nice his screening is better, so that's something. He literally like could not set a screen in the first game that I watched. Um, so I at least appreciate seeing some stuff there. Uh, it just feels like to me the shot has to be like insanely good from outside or something like that to actually set up some stuff. But yeah, I agree. It's um, it has been a little bit rough with him. I know that people came at you on Twitter the last time you didn't include Michael Foster Jr. on uh, I, I can't remember what board it was, something like that, in terms of looking at what you're excited about for this coming year and you did not have included and you were, uh, you were called a fraud if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, Listen, that's in the past. Now we have a sample and I'm not even going to, I'm not even paying attention to the offensive end until the defense like takes a certain step because it it won't matter. It it legitimately like 
what we've seen so far um, is probably just not tenable. It has been quite tough. All right. Well, let's move on to, to speaking of, of bad offense. Let's talk about good offense. The University of Michigan played yesterday against Seton Hall. As um, that was the third game of the season. That includes Caleb Houston. But first, thank you, Juwan Howard, for being amazing. Because Juwan Howard runs the most brilliant sets and just beautiful offense in the NCAA. Um, Jake, take us away, man. Yeah, I mean, it's really fun to have NBA people in college basketball. We don't, you, we're not usually lucky enough to get blessed with these screens that have multiple, these sets that have multiple layers, multiple actions, weak side stuff going on while you're setting the pick and roll. Uh, the amount of Spain pick and rolls that they ran in their game in their home opener, I forget who it was. I'm blanking out, but um, I think it was right. Houston as the back screener. Was it right state? No, was never it? mind. Go, no, go it wasn't. That was remember. Purdue. Purdue played them. Oh, that's um, right. I don't know who it is, but, but the amount of Spain pick and rolls they ran with Houston as the second screener was just awesome, um, and they got great looks consistently. Whether it was hitting him on the pop, hitting Hunter on the roll. Uh, Devontae Jones is a very good college point guard. They just look great. Um, and Caleb in that offense, when it's ran properly, is about as seamless as a fit as you can get for a prospect, as we talked about on our first pod. The problem is last, um, I don't know if you caught, you caught the Seton Hall game. Or no. Yeah, I watched the Seton Hall game. Also, first game was Buffalo. So, Forgot about that. Buffalo. Yeah, I had that in my notes. Um, I meant to say that. So against Seton Hall in the second half, Michigan just kind of broke down a little bit. Same thing that happened in the second half against UCLA. Uh, they got a little bit post-up reliant and ISO dominant. And that not only does not suit them as a basketball team, that does not suit Caleb. Mm-hmm. And I think, look, if Caleb's going to go over four, over five from three, he's more than likely going to have a bad night. That's kind of just the way the ball rolls with him. However, there were some other clips that showcased uh, some of his limitations. When I threw up, it was under the shot clock and then another one in the second half where he just tried to force something in an ISO situation, absolutely just got stonewalled and didn't create any separation, which that's okay. That's not who he is. But I think that's worth noting, like the more on ball usage he takes in, on from a standstill, the, the probably the worse he's going to look. That's just not his game. On the flip side, him as a pick and roll ball handler has been incredibly fun, and the passing has definitely exceeded my expectations. Uh, I don't know if you want to add anything to that. No, yes, that's he had been, um, that's had been a, one of my bigger takeaways. He had a pass yesterday. Uh, he drew a hard closeout from the corner, uh, sidestepped, uh, and then drove onto the interior and had a wraparound pass to uh, whoever was in the dunker spot on the outside of the basket. It's incredible, like. Um, Again, not like primary stuff, but doing a lot of the stuff that we saw in FIBA that was intriguing about what he could be as a playmaker at the next level. Um, and it kind of was like, okay, this is the shit. Like, I wanted to see more of it. Um, like you mentioned, like going back through, I didn't watch all of the Buffalo game. I just watched a bunch of his offensive possessions and shooting possessions too. Um, and the yeah, I agree. The play 1.7 assists per game just does not really highlight how good the playmaking's been. I feel like there were multiple passes that he – uh, that just got bumbled by rollers or, or whoever he was throwing the ball to um, or just like missed layups at the rim. Uh, I was very impressed with the passing. And I think the handles look solid too. It hasn't really been super problematic, but also because like you mentioned, it's not coming from a standstill. Um, like seeing how often he's being used in Spain pick and roll has been fantastic because I think that's a great way a, to just utilize him as a shooter. Like his, his diet of shots has been extremely difficult from three Um and he's hit them well, minus yesterday. Yesterday was probably, yeah. was was tough shooting wise, but um, I just like how much they're getting him flowing into actions 
uh, to run pick and roll. And that's, that's, it's been, it's been very, very nice to see how well he's been used like that. Yeah. He's not the passer Franz is into on the interior. I don't think, but I did have some Franz deja vu on that drop off that you're talking about Uh, just probing into the last absolute second and then finding some small window. But I mean, to raise your point, he, that was not an assist. I don't think Diabat didn't finish that drop off. Um, Terrence Williams did, can the three in um, another pass I clip where he drove and then read the ta- hard tag and kind of threw that throwback to this weak side shooter, which is really impressive. It's a very difficult pass and read to make on the move. So the playmaking has been good. Um, I also want to talk about the defense. Um, he was not good at the point of attack, especially on closeouts against Buffalo. I don't know if you saw those. They were just yeah. called the offensive possessions, but he was not good. Uh, the footwork was really bad. The body weight control was awful. Uh, just kind of throwing his body out there on closeouts. I didn't see those issues last night, which is good to see. Actually had a good a couple of good possessions at the point of attack, but his team defense has been consistently very good in both games. Um, yeah. One of my favorite little things that uh, prospects and players do is like physically tagging the role. So shout out to our show name. <laughs> and like Caleb has done that multiple times, like bumping guys off their spots for lobs just by like giving them a little shoulder. And uh, one, it's good from a physicality standpoint and two, just heads up rotation perspective. And He's been really good there uh, as a team defender, some solid rotations, whether it's just stunting down to take away drop-offs, help helper, just really sound stuff. Um, so I don't want to overreact too much about the point of attack. He is just like a little bit behind athletically. And I think those issues show their head when he tries to create off the bounce without much burst or tries to slide with defenders and decel after making a long closeout, just things of that nature. And that's just the pros and cons with him as a prospect, but I've loved the passing other than the shooting, other than last night, the shooting has been awesome. And yeah, I'm just really excited to see him continue in that system. Yeah, me too. Um, do you have any Musa Diabite thoughts? Yeah. I, so I've, he was never really someone I was interested in uh, at lower levels at IMG. I'm just a couple of teams where they would just throw together these crazy wings that could like all kind of dribble. Some could shoot, some couldn't. Uh, some were horrible. Pro- most were slow processors. Uh, Diamante mm-hmm. still is a insanely slow processor, but I'm more intrigued with him now than I was at IMG. And the, the tagline I texted someone this morning is basically, look, the less he does, the better he is. If he's just in there to do his role, play hard, use your tools, be either a small ball five or a versatile four, attack closeouts when you can, get to the rim, make the open pass, like just do the simple things. Then I'm pretty intrigued. The moment you start facing up, jab stepping, jab stepping again, trying to ISO, maybe looking for a one roll pull up. Like again, the more you do and the more you step outside your comfort zone, the less sound you are. And I think he is like, I don't know. This just came to my mind while I was watching him. Like he's a little bit of precious to him. And I think in terms of these bigger and he's not as like physically gifted as precious was but these six nine maybe small ball five maybe modern four like they have a lot of tools they have these flashes that you don't really know what to do with them precious probably had more flashes but when you play them in this confined role and you say hey do these three things they can do them well and like you can be intrigued by it so i don't really have any super concrete thoughts other than I'm more interested in him than I expected to be based on the IMG stuff. Yeah. Um, especially watching last night's game, I was mainly paying attention to Caleb, but he did pop a few times. Like I like some of the stuff he did defensively. He didn't look out of place that often to me. Um, I, 
I, I mean, where are you at with the rebounding? Because it's, I know that's a very random thing to bring up, but uh, one board in 11 minutes yesterday, kind of, eh. Um, you know, I felt like his hands have been not a problem, but they haven't been awesome. Um, that maybe not something you take notes on. I don't know. It was just something I was thinking about yesterday. Well, he's also, and kind of just coming back to like the little precious kind of like he's thinner than someone uh, precious. Like, and that's why I don't really yeah. trust him to like Michigan can run him as a small ball five at times, but I think it's really matchup dependent. And I don't see him as a small ball five in the league. I think he's just too skinny for that. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he'll get pushed around just, and despite not having like the rim protection equity. I think you need to be a five, but yeah, I mean, that's honestly not something I had in my notes and I'll, I'll take that moving, take note of that moving forward. But I will say like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was getting pushed around a little bit down, down there. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, I think the only other Michigan thought I had was Kobe Bufkin's layup yesterday. It was freaking amazing. Uh, yeah. And I wish that he played more because he was fun yesterday. I thought it was solid. Um yeah, that way, God, that sent me. I, I like jumped out of my seat when I was watching that this morning. I was like, whoa, okay, you do that. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, well, that was awesome from Buffkin. And I know uh, Mike Ribbonov is big on Kobe Buffkin. And I think, like, look, I think Michigan's one of the best teams in the country, but they need one more guy. And I mm-hmm. think it would be ideal if Jawan Howard gave those one more guy minutes to Kobe Buffkin. We'll see, man. It sounds nice, but who knows? <laughs> um, all right. Well, speaking of another U of M, or is it Memphis University or University of Memphis? I can't remember. But we're going to talk right. about Memphis now because yeah. uh, they are – I mean, Michigan was really, really damn good and impressive. Uh, Memphis's talent is just kind of ridiculous. Um, I don't really – I mean, based on every team I've watched, I've seen probably, what, like 20 teams play so far this year. They're definitely the most talented team I've watched by a wide margin. Um I mean, maybe Baylor, but even then, I felt like Memphis has just a little bit more for me offensively. Um, we'll talk about it. But uh, where do you want to start with this one? Because there's a lot to talk about with, with Memphis. We can we can start with Duren since he's the main draft-eligible guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Duren's interesting. I kind of ebb and flow with my thoughts on him. Uh, during the his year with Montverde, I was all the way in. I thought he was pretty much a top-three prospect in his class if he stayed uh, the passing took a big leap. The face-up shooting was there. He was physically imposing on high school athletes more than you could ever imagine. And then during Peach Dam, I was kind of forced to take a couple steps back because he just didn't bring it. And so far in Memphis, you've seen both sides of that coin. Uh, the skill is there. He's made a couple of good passes, had a really tough face-up jumper in one of the games I've watched. But the skill is there. And so is like his tools are pretty insane as well in terms of the vertical pop just the strength, the frame. He does look a little bit small out there. I think he's probably 6'9", maybe 6'9 half. So is a little bit undersized for a true five. And then also my concern, I have concerns with the motor. I just don't think he imposes himself on the game as much as he can. It was better in the Tennessee Tech game uh, rather than, I think it was NC Central was the other one that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but the skills are there. Like the tools are there, especially in the Tennessee Tech game, he switched I think every single pick and roll and was very effective sliding with guys, meeting them at the apex to pin some shots, making solid rotations. He was good in the dunker spot, like knew when to kind of creep in and explode to the rim. Like the skills and tools are there. I just want to see it from him. Like every single play, every single night. And I know that's a lot to ask, but when you are a six, nine center, your margin of error is pretty thin. So I'm interested to see what, 
Because I think Durant's going to be like I'm confident in him being a good NBA player. That the, the tools are too like he's too toolsy and the skills are already there for someone his age. I just think the motor is going to determine how good he can be and ultimately what top X pick of, of value he returns. Yeah. So here's how I'll put it because I feel similarly to you. Um, I do want to first, first I'll say this uh, because you know me, I hedge everything. Uh, I was texting with Ben, our, our boy, Ben Pfeiffer earlier today. Um, I, th- and we basically came to the conclusion that I'm being too hard on Jalen Duran, which is very unusual for me because I'm not normally hard on players, but Ben's, um, Ben was very into him. <laughs> he was very excited. So I watched the St. Louis game this morning um, and I felt like, He's always, almost always in the right place. Like his pick and roll defense is fantastic, even if he's not like going 100%. Um, I think part of it's tough because he is, he's not a lumbering guy, but he's very long strides, not like, um, like even when he's doing something explosive, he doesn't necessarily look quick. That makes sense because of his size. Um, So maybe sometimes that's like, you know, you can kind of get in the back of your head, but um, it's just, he had this play against St. Louis today where he was at the nail because I think they had switched something. So he's like all the way out at the nail. Somebody drives baseline on the other side and he just comes out of nowhere and blocks it weak side. And I'm just like, I want to see this all the time. I want, like, I want to see that all the time. And he had like three or four plays like that against St. Louis. Like there was one, um, there was a bad pass. He was defending uh, on the right block a little bit closer to the corner than on the block. Um, And he just like, literally threw his man out of the way as legally as you can throw somebody out of the way and just got the steal. And I'm like, I want to see that way more. Um, So like, like, like you're mentioning in the sense of him being an NBA guy, because he has the tools and because he is like really good defensively already, just in terms of positioning and and knowing where to be. um, I see that, but also like in terms of talking about somebody being like a top five pick, I need to see those. I want to see those plays all the time because I just like, I don't know, I, especially watching him at Montverde. Like, that was one of the few guys I have priors on. He was fucking awesome. Like, I'll never forget watching him against IMG was like a, an out of body experience. He was so fun. Uh, that Montverde team is ridiculous. But uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm just thinking about it right now. It's like him, Caleb Houston. Oh, God. Uh, but I just, yeah, I, I think, you know, Ben pointed out that he thought he took over a little bit more in the second half. And I, I mean, that's fair, but also, I just want to see the whole game. And there was some weird stuff with him. He got pulled like two minutes in and Penny's like pulled him and, and put him back in like four times in 10 minutes. It was kind of odd. Um, I wasn't really sure what was up with that. It didn't seem like it was a stamina thing. Um, it, one of it was like, it seemed like he had a miscommunication on the perimeter with uh, the guy he was switching with, but it didn't really seem like it was his fault. So I don't, I don't know why he got pulled, but um, point being, there are a lot of BAM comps to get thrown out with him just because he's an undersized center. And I just don't think that's fair to either guy. Like, I think they're very different. Uh, but also, like, I mean, Bam was just insane, insane motor, like always at Kentucky. So I just, I don't know. Um, my long-winded way of saying, I really like Jalen Duran, but I want to see more. How concerned or not concerned at all are you about the size? Because I'm not concerned I'm like about very, the size. I'm very, very confident that Patrick Baldwin is taller than him. He might be. Um, I'm not concerned about the size, honestly, because I think I look at it more like, yeah, um, like, okay, if he has to play against Joel Embiid, that's not great. But also, um, what is he, like 230 right now? I think he's going to add on weight meaningfully. His frame is – he's chiseled. 
Yeah, he's, he's got a, a big dude. He definitely has like I think he's listed at two thirty. He's probably bigger, but um, like I look at him and what what is what does make him different from a guy like Bam for me is like his wingspan is insane for somebody his size. Um, and he plays like it too. Like he doesn't play like uh, he doesn't play like he's six nine to me. And I think that that helps for me. Um, so I think I would say it doesn't bother me that much, but it's more like I'm gonna want to see it when he's not playing against St. Louis's six eight center. Like, uh, what is this gonna look yeah. like when? Okay, is there some some? Hold on, I'm trying to look at the Memphis schedule right now. But like, let's say okay, if they play against Illinois and he plays Kofi Coburn, what does that look like? Because Kofi, despite having like zero touch, um, is insanely big and strong. And that's a very tough matchup for somebody. So I don't know. Um, but honestly, like just given his quickness and his mobility, it I'm not really super stressed about it. No, and I maybe and, do and have I'm more very, questions offensively though with it. Yeah. I'm very into Durant. I just like I found myself asking questions. Like a little yeah. too often. Like why why didn't someone with his frame, his skill set, just dominate Peach Jam? Like I, I that should have been 20 and 10. These are 17-year-old kids. And I know he can do it because he's putting up double doubles in like 18 minutes against college teams. And yeah, they're bad college teams, but it's better competition than AAU against rising seniors. So I just like I don't know why. Well, I mean, I do know why, but I don't like I shouldn't be asking these questions if we're talking about a top five pick that's a center that I don't know if you're going to run your offense through. And I know that term gets tossed around like initiator or offensive channel or whatever you want to call it. But like those questions matter. And like you do need to hold the six, nine center to a high, high standard. And I just I keep I want to keep pressing him for more, even if it might seem too harsh, even if it might seem unfair, because there is a thin margin for error there. And I just want to see someone with his skill set and tools and overall just package. Like that person should be dominating night in, night out. And if you are in, like, I want to know why. And I want to see it. And I want to see a change. Yeah. I am like trying to just stay slightly reserved with it until they play better competition. Again, not to like be unfair, but like um, it's just, you know, he hasn't played a great team yet. They play Virginia Tech this time next week and they should be good. So I'm hoping that we see a little bit of a ramp up there. Uh, let's move on to some other Memphis thoughts. Uh, we got to talk about Imani Bates. Obviously not yep. draft eligible till next year, but he has been honestly pretty impressive uh, so far to start with Memphis. Like looking at yesterday, um, I mean, like I knew coming in, like pull-up shooter has just really good range, really good touch. We knew that. I wasn't really sure what to think about him as a, as a passer and ball handler coming in. I will say, like, I mean, obviously his his hips are really high. Um, he's pretty skinny, so, like, his base isn't awesome. But uh, the handle hasn't – I mean, it hasn't been amazing, but it also hasn't necessarily been a problem for him yet, which has been nice to see. Um, some of the pick-and-roll playmaking has been very enticing to me in a way that I wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, I've really liked how often they're running high pick-and-rolls for him. Like, they're not just running shit, like, right at the three-point line. Like, they ran one – I clipped one this morning where they, like – it was him and, and Jalen ran a pick and roll like four feet outside the three-point line. And I'm like, yes, all the time. Please do this. Um, and he had, I want to say, is behind the back to get around somebody and then had a nice uh, pass to whoever was in the dunker spot. Um, or it was on a cutter. I can't remember. But 
regardless, like I've been pretty impressed with some of the stuff that we're seeing from him. And especially too, I mean, he has a ratchet, like it is looked good from outside for him. He was literally pulling up from like 26 feet. Just like, all right, I'm going to shoot it. Cause you're not guarding me out here. And I was like, all right, man, I'm, I'm fine with it. You do that. Yeah. I mean, he's probably about as poor of an athlete as you're going to get from a blue chip prospect, negative wingspan, <laughs> largely below the rim athlete. Uh, obviously, like it was ridiculous down the Twitter timeline when Memphis dropped those pro day numbers because his measurables and agility stuff was just abysmal. Um, but he might be cold enough where it just doesn't matter, honestly. Uh, the shooting, I mean, the shooting has been the entire selling point. He's 6'9, the mechanics are so smooth, he can get it off the bounce, off the catch, endless range, shoots a very soft ball. Like the shooting is has been pretty insane so far. And like he'll probably go through some cold stretches as all college freshman and he even reclassed so he's younger than typical freshmen do but it's been ridiculous so far and like you can't take that for granted i've similar to you have been most impressed with the pick and roll passing i didn't know he had it like that um i, I like the pace that he's playing with he threw a nice over like one one-handed over the top drop off and pick and roll like leveraging his size uh he had a nice craft finish i'm what i want to see more from him like what i want to see most from him is getting all the way to the rim and like mm-hmm. getting to the line and leveraging the pull-up gravity to cause drafts. He had a really nice Hezian semi-transition that ended in dunk. But I'm interested to see as the competition scales up, how does that look like? What do his on-ball rules or on-ball reps look like? I don't need him to be a primary creator off a of standstill. Like if he can only get it out of pick and roll, that's fine. He's a good enough shooter where it doesn't matter from an offensive standpoint. Uh the defense, I want to see a little bit more. He's been caught lacking off the ball a couple of times and been burned at the point of attack given that he is a poor athlete with no physical tools to work with, whether that be length, quick feet, strength, he's got none of it. Uh, so it's, he's, it's going to require him to really lock in and be 100%, 100% dedicated to being a positive on that end. Because uh, if you have a, your wing or you're going to play as your three or four, like it's pretty suboptimal to have them be both pretty bad slash horrendous at the point of attack and unreliable in team defense, but he's got a long way to go for that before he's even draft eligible. So just the offensive stuff translating and him not looking, not only not looking out of place, but like looking ready against these earlier teams has been a good sight to see. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Um, Do you have any other Memphis thoughts? Cause I do have one Memphis thought I want to bring up with you. I, I don't know. We'll see what you say, but I, do you have any other Memphis thoughts? Not really. Um, They like, they have a lot of guys and I'm, and, there will be games throughout the year where one guy pops, another guy pops, another guy pops just because of the depth they have. In the couple of games that I watched, um, I don't really have anyone that has strung together real thoughts for me. Uh, so I'll let you take it away. Yeah. Well, first of all, he's not an NBA guy because he's real size limitations. But Tyler Harris had just a monster game yesterday. Like he hit something from like 30 feet out. It was kind of insane. Uh, I think he went eight of nine from the field, but just really good. Um, like you're mentioning, there are just so many dudes on this roster who I think if I'd had a better grasp of what the roster was going to be like coming in, I would have had a lot less questions. Like I still would have wondered, okay, what does it look like with Jalen and Imani? But I, I don't think that I understood how talented the team was coming into the year, in all honesty. Um, I did want to ask you, do you have thoughts on Landers and Ali the second? Because I kind of like him. I don't know if I want to say NBA guy or anything. Uh, I know there's probably – efficiency questions he didn't have the most efficient game yesterday he's been solid efficiency wise the last couple of years um he's 
I don't know. He's just interesting to me, man. He he's, he definitely screams big guard instead of like mid-sized wing. Um, but I, I don't know what, 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 where are you at with that? Well, you are referring to 2019 Maui Invitational legend Landers Maui, <laughs> where he strung together like two good games and was being anointed as a top 20 prospect. And I haven't really heard from him after that. Um, I don't really have any concrete thoughts. The catch and shoot stuff has been intriguing since his days at Virginia Tech. Beyond that, um, in all honesty, I wasn't really paying attention to him in this game. Between, mm-hmm. uh, I was really looking at Amoni, Duran, and then the other guys that are kind of of interest. My not Earl Timberlake. Um, those guys. Earl Timberlake but, was I mean, uh, was Earl Timberlake good in your game? Because he really struggled against St. Louis. So I mean Timberlake. Um, he wasn't that great in my game. He kind of struggled as a decision maker. I it kind of when he is in or kind of thrusting him to this on ball role, which he did play as a senior in high school and was good, but it's different. Uh, the handle is a little bit shakier than you would want it to be. Uh, he is does still make some enticing passes and he is really damn strong. So when he does get to the rim, I like him as a finisher and um, the intensity is there, but of course the shooting, I do want to see it uh, get ironed out a little bit and just kind of like, take a deep breath honestly from him i know he's trying to do a lot and you can kind of tell so i just would say let the game come to him uh get to the rim leverage your slash and gravity into some interior reads and like play hard um but he, he hasn't been great in my couple of games yeah no he he struggled with ball pressure a lot yesterday um but yeah landers nolly uh definitely somebody i put in my radar like he's again you know fringy but um I texted Ben this morning. I was like, he's kind of like diet Karis Levert. You know, he, he moves in a very similar way, has kind of similar stances and mobility, obviously a much better shooter. But um, regardless, there's just a lot of guys in this Memphis team that are are interesting and do things. Like Josh Minot had a good game yesterday too. Um, a lot of guys. So I'm interested to track them throughout the year because there's somebody who we're going to talk about a lot, undoubtedly. Um, that is a good transition point. Let's talk about Kendall Brown, somebody who you brought up on our first pod, um, I had never watched before. I have seen him now, and I am extremely intrigued, but I feel like I just have more questions than anything else. Um, just going off the top of my head, I think 70% of his field goal attempts have been dunks. Does that sound about right to you? I think that's about right. Dunks and lobs. Yeah. Yep. That, and listen, that's, I'm here to answer. I don't mean that in a bad way. <laughs> uh, so. Man, uh, he is ridiculously quick for somebody his size. Like, his straight line speed is kind of insane, and the explosiveness he he gets out of it is, too. Uh, Like, crazy vertical athlete, I'm sure. Like, I need to see more in terms of what it looks like for him. You know, like, how does it translate laterally? Because he did get burned at the point of attack a couple times with Nickel State. Part of that is, like, I mean, Baylor plays an extremely aggressive scheme, so he's still going to get used to that. But I was just impressed as hell with him, man. Like, some of the passes he's making were fantastic. Uh, like he's making really quality reads, but also um, he had some odd misses around the rim, which I don't know if that's a regular thing for him. Uh, but also I'm, it's just kind of like a lot of times he's sitting in the corner until he finds an opportunity to cut um, or it's in transition. So where are you at with like how you even incorporate his skills? Because um, I mean, Baylor's finding ways, but a lot of it is Matthew Meyer on a post-up finding him cutting on a 45. So it's like, I, I'm not sure what to make of him. 
I honestly think that's the appeal of Kendall Brown is you don't need to worry about it. You don't need to worry about incorporating him into your offense. And obviously the defense, to me, the defense was the main selling point. Um, yeah. The defense, the athleticism, he is a r- ridiculously in, like fluid athlete. I'm watching him run the open floor is nuts. You, I like how you mentioned they got beat at the point of attack. I had that in my notes as well. Um, I think that's just like Baylor's just like throwing him out to the wolves. Yeah. To He's just, it was he over shooting. It wasn't like him being so laterally. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I view him as a four and mm. I, I'm just so excited to see him match up against the wings in the big 12, like Agbaji, Shannon. Um, Cause I think those are the guys, I think that's where he's going to have real equity at the point of attack. The off ball stuff is still really good. Zoning up properly. Baylor's defensive scheme. I threw a clip, uh, a screenshot there. It's just such a joy to watch. I love watching. Funnel them down to the funnel them down to the uh, down the alley, and then just meet him outside the paint. Backside guys zone up perfectly, and he hasn't really missed many of those rotations. I think he got caught, uh, like kind of zoning up once or twice, maybe in the Incarnate World game where he was kind of trying to get for a, go for a dig rather than just dropping to the baseline, seeing both guys, and then playing the ball and waiting for the X out on the back end, but whatever, like it's super nitpicky. He's good. One pass away in digs the rim rotate. Like he has a real rumor, uh, secondary rim protection equity mm-hmm. with the verticality. Um, I'm just so fascinated by his offensive usage and they haven't used him as a screener yet, but like that, and since dating back to high school, that's been the appeal. That's been the ideal role to me is as a screener, because if you want to dish to him on the short roll, I'm comfortable with him taking like one dribble and attacking Maybe not more than one dribble, and I think we're going to talk about the handle. But in terms of, like, he has lob gravity. He's a ridiculous vertical leaper, so you they're going to respect the lob. And I liked his interior passing in high school, and it's taken an absolute level up in college. It looks uh, amazing. Making unreal um, multiple delivery angles off the live dribble, two off playing off two, even – he had one pass where like he saw that they rotated down to take it away and he ended up skipping it back out to the opposite wing. Just like his passing definitely took a leap. So I just think like the cutting is ridiculously impressive. Just how he's, it feels like he makes one positive cut every single possession. Um, and whether he gets the ball or not, it has a real impact. And there have been multiple occasions where he'll cut, he doesn't get the ball, but it causes someone else to drop down and rotate and which frees up a, a shooter. And like, that's positive offense. So it's hard to measure it. And it's definitely not going to be measured on the stat sheet, but Kendall Brown has probably been one of the more impressive guys I've watched all cycles so far. Yeah. uh, I am right there with you. It's kind of hard to believe that he's a freshman and watching him. Like he's been extremely physically imposing. Like he had, uh, I think it was against Nickel State. Uh, No, actually, no. Yeah, it was against Nickel State. Somebody like absolutely tried to crown him and hit the back of the rim. But then he came down the very next possession and just absolutely destroyed somebody on a lob. Um, he's just fun. I he's one of the guys who, again, like I still don't quite know what to think. Like um the, the tools are there and they're interesting. I would really like, I don't think we saw him really get to do anything as a roller and screener. And I want to see that in the offense. I really want to see, okay, can he be a short roll guy? Because I think that's the real avenue for him potentially. Um but it's just going to be finding more questions from that. So we'll see. Um, did you have any other thoughts from Baylor? I don't, I mean, Matthew Meyer was fun. Uh, he continues to be like a quality defender who hits threes and, and makes passes. I don't really have anything else to add on Matthew Meyer. I mean, he's, he's fine to me. Um, I yeah. think he picked up a lot of late season buzz, which 
I have been on record multiple times saying I'm not sure how much of it was really warranted. Mm. Uh, yeah, sure. The shooting is fun. Um, he's pretty good on defense. I'm not really there with the creation. I think he's sort Bad of either. a wild card when it comes to shot selection and can't really create much separation off the bounce. Was getting stonewalled a lot, even against Nickel State and Incarnate World, which not ideal. But yeah, I mean, he's probably their other guy. He's the only one I've, I've all the other guy I've taken notes on. Flagler actually did look good. Um, I think he's probably on the older side because he's a transfer and I know he's a senior. I'm not sure if he's an NBA guy, but smaller off guard who makes shots was really good off ball on defense. Um, so he's always caught my eye dating back to last year. But like Baylor's gonna be fun again. Um, definitely gonna tune into a lot of their games. Um, the things I'm tracking most are Kendall, like Kendall's anything with the left hand uh, as multiple people I've talked to in DMs and stuff. Uh, he's very right hand dominant and just mm-hmm. any ball skills whatsoever. Uh, literally I had a clip where he like did a left to right b- between the legs and like looked like he was going to fall over. Uh, yeah. It looked like a second grader, like doing it, <laughs> but like may- may- maybe it doesn't even matter. I don't yeah. know. Um, and he's just so decisive attacking closeouts. It's just, I want to see him shoot too, because like, if I, if you can guarantee to me that he's going to get closeouts, like, then I'm probably going to be very in. Um, I the, My concerns on the offensive end would come if they're just going to sag off of him and make him dribble and beat them off the bounce for real. Like, I don't really trust that. But if he's going to generate closeouts and he can be decisive and use that quick first step, get downhill one to two dribbles in a straight line and either play off his athleticism, get to the rim, or make a decision as a playmaker, I'm very into that. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Um, well, let's transition to Jabari Smith, who we have talked about, but also we have to talk about him again, man. Um, he put together what I think, at least for me, I think it's the most uh, dominant showing I've seen from a prospect this cycle against University of Louisiana Monroe. Um, how high is too high with Jabari Smith? Like, obviously, I don't think you, you or I either have boards right now. Um, but, I mean, he just looked incredible again competition size but we literally talked about on last pod like yeah we want to see him be more dominant on the inside just be more imposing and he did just that uh he looked on both ends i thought he really showed a lot more as a secondary rim protector than we saw in the first game um he was i mean he had a coast to coast grab and go behind the back at like half court to finish at the rim he got to the free throw line um and he was just canning stuff out of pick and pop. Uh, I was just so impressed with this game, man. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with you. It's the best game I've seen out of anyone so far. And on the first podcast, there's like, yeah, I just want to see more from Jabari. Like, what does the off the dribble stuff look like? What is the, what do the rim rotations look like? And um, he had a really good drive off of like a DHO where he got all the way to the rim doesn't have much vertical pop once he got there, but was able to finish with length, like using length. Uh, but the shooting, like the pull-up shooting is so real. Uh, he had a sh- like obviously the clip that everyone and their mother tweeted of him taking that pull-up three in transition. But there was another one in the half court where it was jab, rip, like two, one or two dribbles and a quick step back into a deep two. Like, yeah, it's not really normal for someone at 6'10". Uh, the shooting is very real. I still want to see a little bit more of the playmaking. I don't know if you have any yeah. thoughts on that. Um, that's I haven't next... been. I don't want to say that I'm not impressed with the playmaking, but to me, um, it's just a lot of like he's tall and can see over the defense. It's not really him right. creating anything off of a live dribble, and I still think that's useful stuff. But more like you know when you're talking about okay, is this guy going to have the handle to you know maybe create something and and make a pass when he's getting downhill 
I want to see more of that because again, like a lot of stuff is like, I have liked how much he like is willing to contort himself to get a pass off. Like he will, I wouldn't say it's audacious or anything, but um, like he's willing to try and get some things on the inside by moving around and, and uh, you know, using his jabs, I'm mean, not jabs, his plant step to really try and, um, you know, find ways to get something over his defender. So I've liked that, but again, yeah, to me, it's not anything like super crazy as a passer. Yeah. So, I mean, other than the shooting, the two things that's really stood out to me in that game and like bringing it all back from the first game that we talked about mm-hmm. one, I love his release. Um, yeah. I sent out a tweet about like the stark contrast in release speed between him and Walker Kessler, like Walker, it looks like Walker Kessler is like shooting a musket from yeah, it's a <laughs> lock, man. from like, like a musket from the 1800s where it's like catch load, load again. And like then fire um, versus Jabari. It's like his dip is really high. Uh, he, it's like a small dip, but it's barely below like his upper body. So he's catch, he'll catch it high, keep it relatively high. And he's not hesitating at all. Um, which frees up some release windows for him, especially off like a pick and pop kind of a thing where you're trying to stunt and recover. Um, that could be a huge moneymaker for him for the next 15 years. Uh, but, and, and then the other thing I wanted to talk about was uh, the rim protection. Um, that was much better in the second game, which is really good to see. Um, I don't think, again, I don't think he's a five. Uh, if Darren is kind of struggling at the, like, oh, is he a four, is he a five? And this is what I said with Sean, Sean Darenthal. Like if we're kind of doing this four or five thing with Jaron, I don't really think it's fair to do it with Jabari because I think he's skinnier and less suited to actually bang with those guys. Mm-hmm. But as a four, as, as a low man, uh, seeing those instincts, that was really good to see. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I still continue to be really impressed with his perimeter defense. Um, like just yeah. incredibly, incredibly active. I think he had four steals in this game. Um, like his ability to just quick switch on to somebody and kind of I mean, like, he's really good at just overwhelming somebody. Like I think, a lot of times whenever I write or talk about defense, like is a guy dictating at the point of attack or letting the offense just kind of do what they want. And he just like gets right up into somebody. I think that's um, especially when you're somebody with size who maybe like he has quick feet for somebody of size. But like, again, if you're talking about, okay, if you're somebody who doesn't have quick feet for your size, one of the ways you can maybe mitigate that is just force someone to pick up the ball. Like, uh, and he does both. So it's been really impressive. Um, I just, I, I, I have so many good things to say about him and I just want to wait until we see more because I, I don't want to like, you know, create some giant massive hype train. Uh, but he's been worth, uh, you know, every, every single praise that you can put out there for him. He's been really yeah. impressive. No, Auburn's fun as well. Um, I like the backcourt, Wendell Green and KD. Um, it, it, once they get Flanagan back, it could get kind of scary for the SEC. So definitely a fun team to watch. And obviously Jabari has turned in a couple of very impressive performances so far. Definitely. Um, well, last guy that I know we want to close out on is Keegan Murray out of Iowa. I have not seen much of him, so I am not going to add anything. But I'm interested to hear your thoughts. Yeah, so he's a sophomore, but he's very old for a sophomore. I think he, he'll turn 21 this year. Um, so definitely have to treat him like an upper class and project prospect with you know, looking for production along with the NBA flashes, but he's been very impressive to me. Uh, granted the competition level has been pretty poor, even compared to like every other team, but the def- the team defense and like some, there were some ball skill flashes in the half court. It's he gets walled off much more than like you would want, but he's a four. Uh, so if your four men can have 
grab and go uh, equity when he can like he had a really good like hang cross in transition and he got free throws out of it. Like if you need a head of steam, then that's okay. As a four man, the team defense is really what is his calling card. Uh, incredible as a weak, as a low man tagging roles, rotating and protecting the rim, uh, really good verticality and timing anticipation. Um, I want to see a little bit more as like a passer and the shooting is ultimately what is going to swing it his way one way or one way or another. Um, in the first game, he was really impressive. Had like a little backwards relocation. But I do like is he's not shying away at all. Like he's taking them and he's gunning them. I think he's probably taking them like three or four a game, which is pretty good. Um, and he was, I think he was like three for four in his first game. Has cooled off uh, on the mix wise since then. But if he's shooting with versatility and is going to like really space the floor and can maybe come off a pin down or just be a reliable relocator. That kind of opens up everything. He's been stuffing the box scores. Um, a, his offense has been a little bit more derived from post-ups than I would like, which is mm-hmm. something I really want to note into big time play. Uh, is he facing up more? Is he being used as a role man? Is he being used as a shooter? Because like, if you're a six, eight guy kind of just overpowering smaller defenders, like that's not as intriguing from an NBA standpoint, but the defense is really what's popped for me so far. And if you can keep up the shooting willingness and then string together some makes along with a ball skill flash here and there, I think we could really be working with something. Yeah, no. Well, I'm interested to dive in to see what he's looking like again, because big Ten play starts up early. If I remember correctly, within like two weeks, yeah, I think big Ten play starts up and then they go back to some non cons, but I'm interested to see what happens. Um, I think that closes up for us. I know we're going to be doing another pod soon. I won't mention when it's going to be a secret. Um, it's not really a secret because I already just blew it. But uh, point being, uh, this was great, Jake. Do you have any closing thoughts before we get out of here, man? Not really. Um, kind of got through everyone I've watched so far. Uh, there are a lot of ranked matchups this week. I think we have Purdue. I'm definitely going to mess up the matchups. I think I'm going to say it's Purdue, UNC, and Nova, Tennessee. I think. And then we have Baylor, Stanford, and Harrison Ingram's been putting together some inc- intriguing games. So I'm really excited for those three games this weekend. And then also Pat Baldwin uh, against Florida on Thursday. Yeah, be- that's, to- that's tomorrow. Yeah. And I can't, well, I guess it's today when it's coming out. Um, I'm watching that one live. I normally don't watch like hardly any games live just because I don't have time to. And it's easier to watch everything on Instat. But I'm watching that one live. I really want to see. Um, you know, what he looks like playing as Florida, because it's going to be the best competition competition he plays until March if they make it yep. to the tournament. So um, going to be very interesting regardless. Um, yeah, I will, I will be in class when that game turns <laughs> off, sadly, but Damn, we'll definitely catch it. I'll get around to it uh, sooner rather than later. I can promise you that. All right, man. Well, Jake, this was great. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. And of course, be sure to go follow us over at Tag the Roll on Twitter. Follow Jake at Jake in the paint, me at M Schindler MBA. And most importantly, have a good rest of your day. And thank you for listening.